Grace and peace be unto you, beloved of God. It is great to be back with you today, although perhaps many of you weren't here 12 years ago when I was last here in this space. As I said, I I didn't remember at first service how things necessarily flowed, but one of the things that that we prayed about uh, before first service started is that even if there is this checklist of things that make worship perfect, even if we don't check any of those things off, the fact that we are gathered together here in this space, praying and singing and maybe tripping over each other and not necessarily following the traditions or whatever, God is still here, and we are worshiping. Even if it's not successful in our eyes, unless like we totally burn the building down or something, it's been successful. And so we gather in worship today, in part because we know that something greater than the temple is here. Those are not my words. Those are the words of Jesus in the gospel reading today. Something greater than the temple is here. Now, those words might seem a bit out of place if we haven't just read the text from Hebrews, which describes what the, what the, what the temple looks like, right? There's two tents. The outer tents, the priests go in and out of regularly. That's, that's the holy place. So, of course, the priests would go there, right? They go into the holy place on a regular basis to do their duties and to do everything that they are called to do as priests, And then there's this big temple curtain. And the high priest goes around the temple curtain into the holiest of holies once a year. Once a year to make sacrifice and to be in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant, the the gold-plated box that held the tablets that God gave to Moses. To be there in the presence of God in a way that the people didn't think could otherwise happen. You had to be the high priest once a year to go into that place where God is. That seems rather exclusive, doesn't it? You have to be the one chosen person to be able to go to have access to God. Fortunately, that's not how we understand God anymore, and that's the importance of this text from Hebrews today. The book of the letter of Hebrews was a, a letter written to the Jewish people who were following Jesus. The Jewish people who were following Jesus, and they knew what the temple looked like. That's part of the reason uh, that the text said, but we don't have to explain all this in detail now. Because the Hebrew people, the the people that the letter was written to already knew, right? They, They knew what their temple looked like. But it's explained perhaps for us, future generations, to understand that there's this outer tent and this inner tent. The outer tent was kind of a busy place. The inner tent, not so much, not at all. But then our text from Hebrews ends talking about Jesus. And if we remember back to Good Friday, we know that as Jesus was hanging on the cross, the temple curtain was torn in two. The temple curtain was rent asunder some 
texts say it was torn in a way that it could never be repaired. The greatest seamstress in the world could not repair that curtain. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, God was set loose in the world in a way that God desired to be. Because we know that this is God's story, right? It isn't the story that, that, uh, that the author of Hebrews penned and said, now this is the way I'd like it to be, therefore it is. But the temple curtain is rent asunder, it is torn irreparably, so that because of God's desire to be with God's people, So back in the day, when the Jews were worshiping in the temple, it was only the priest, whoever got access to the Ark of the Covenant where God is thought to have resided or or been the most present to humanity. And then comes along Jesus, and the temple curtain is torn. It is a physical barrier that prevents people from entering in. And in God's divine wisdom, it is torn so that God is accessible to all of us all the time. Not just that one high priest who would go into the temple once every 365 days, but God is present to all of us now, always. And yet we know that there's many things that keep us confined and constrained and, and, and don't allow us to either physically get to God in a way we think we should be able to or emotionally get to God or spiritually get to God, however it is we want to talk about it, because the world is always telling us we're not quite good enough, right? The world is always telling us that there's something going on. And, and like the children so wisely brought up, we have emotions, we, we have feelings, and sometimes those feelings will get in the way. I know people who have said, Pastor, I can't come to the communion rail because Jesus is too real right there, and I'm not good enough to take Jesus today. And the temple curtain was torn in two so that God would be loose in the world. These past couple of days, I, I've been at a conference uh, with, with a number of, of clergy and we yesterday had this incredible worship service. Actually, they're worshiping right now. And, and so part of me wants to be there with them, but I'm, I'm also delighted and honored to be here. And, and so because I can't be physically there, I'm going to tell you all a story of something that we heard yesterday so that hopefully our spirits connect in a deeper way. Yesterday, we were in the midst of worship, and it was kind of a Quaker-style worship. Now, this is a room full of ELCA and ELCIC, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada, pastors. And, uh, but it was kind of Quaker style. So there was long periods of silence. And then occasionally somebody would stand up and share a story that was maybe like a prayer or something. But one of the pastors, Pastor Groen, stood up and, and said that she had been selected to be the, the pastor in residence at their synodical Bible camp. So throughout the summer, they have a different pastor come in each week to be the pastor at camp. And she had been chosen for one week a couple weeks ago. 
And she said she arrived, and, and she and the counselors, both high school students and a couple of young college students, were talking about the 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 way that they wanted the, the youth to be able to express some freedom and, and to express experience confession and forgiveness in a way that they normally don't get to. And so they decided to lay out this long roll of paper, the entire length of the sanctuary aisle, the entire length from the door to, she said at at their church, they had the baptismal font right here, from the door to the font. And the youth were given the instruction to write down the things that prevented them from loving God the way they wanted to or they felt they should or the things that prevented them from living into their potential and being the people that they believe God wants them to be at this time. And Pastor Groen said it didn't take very long before the entire paper The entire length from the door to the baptismal font was filled. There were only about 40 youth from the age of 7 to 14, which which we know is is kind of a a wide age range for kids 7 to 14. 14-year-olds are at a completely different place than 7-year-olds are. And there were only 40 kids. So a group smaller than, than those of us gathered here today. But it didn't take long before this entire strip of paper was filled And the kids wrote everything from, in order to be my best friend's friend, I need to dress the way she does, to, I had an argument with my parents before I came, and it feels really awful, to, my grandmother just died. And I I miss her so much that I almost wish I could die to be with her. To my skin is not white, and I'm scared I may not survive. To I did really poorly in school this year. I don't know if I'm going to be able to to get the grades I need to go into college the way to go to the college I want to and have the profession, the career that I hope to have. To, I have a crush on a boy, and I am a boy. I don't know what that means or what to do with it. To, the kids at school were picking on me, and I was really mean to them, and I feel kind of guilty about it. But they were mean to me first. To, I really don't like my sister. She is a major pain. (laughs) To, I just don't know what to do anymore. My parents are about to get divorced. And I think it's all about me. If I wasn't here, I think they'd be happy. These are the things that were on the hearts and the minds of this group of 47 to 14-year-olds. Good, faithful church members coming to summer camp, a church summer camp. And they bore it out in plain sight on this long strip of paper. 
So they'd engaged in the act of confession of sorts. And the counselors and the pastor Groen had decided that what they were going to do next was talk about God's love and how God's love is bigger and better than all these things written out on this paper and all of these things that, that make the kids so filled with grief and sorrow and fear and that get in the way of being who they're meant to be and having the relationship with God that they know God wants to have with them. And so they had all the kids come and stand as as tall as they could with their arms at their side and and they had to get consent from one another because they don't touch somebody else's body without consent. And so if they were standing too closely to somebody and that person didn't want it, they had to slide over a little bit. But they were all jammed in as closely as they could be together, feeling perhaps some claustrophobia, feeling some fear of being so close to people that they'd never really met before, feeling some fear and and I'm sure vulnerability about the things that they'd just written on this long sheet of paper. And the counselors wrapped them up in this paper and duct taped it together. And they were bound in the sin of the world bound together in the sin of the world, tight like sardines in a metal can. And they talked a bit more about God's love. And they talked a bit more about God's forgiveness and God's grace. And then the kids were given permission to break open, to tear asunder the curtain, uh, the temple curtain, so to speak. And these kids did it beyond what you can imagine. They tore it open, 40 of them just running out from there and tearing it into little shreds and stomping on it and dancing on it and singing praises and being more happy than many of them had ever been or far happier than they were so far at camp. They were free and able to express their joy of God's forgiveness, having experienced how how miserable it is to be stuck in the middle of this group of people and somebody taller than you is breathing down your back and you can't do anything about it. And, And the kid next to you is fidgeting a bit because they're nervous and you can't really do anything about it. And you didn't give them consent to touch their body, but they keep touching you anyway. And you can't do anything about it because you're all stuck together, bound in the sin of the world. And then they were told to break free. And they did. Broke free. That is the freedom of the temple curtain being broken, the temple curtain being torn asunder. God is loose and free in the world, and nobody, nobody can stop that from happening. Nobody can stop God being loose in the world in such a way that God is present with each and every one of us today and tomorrow. And, and maybe, maybe we, we will all enter into a new day, but it may not happen tomorrow morning. In fact, it might have nothing to do with the revolutions of the sun. A new day might come an hour from now when we feel that excitement and that, that joy and that freedom that these youth did at summer camp, or maybe it'll be a week from now or a month from now, but we know that the promise of God is that that freedom is ours. The world will tell us otherwise. We know that. The world will completely tell us otherwise. We are always being told we're too fat or too thin or too tall or too short or too smart or or not smart enough or, or too rich or too poor or too queer or too straight or, or somewhere in between and, and you don't even have the language to describe what that means. 
or your feet are too big, or your shoes are smelly, or you haven't had the opportunity to go to the dentist and your mouth is a mess. The world will always find some way to put us down and to stomp on us, to tear us apart from one another. But it doesn't matter where we are, God is with us. Whether we are imprisoned with ice or in the camps in the, at the southern border, or whether we are walking down an aisle at Walmart and there's an, a, an intentional shooter walking in the next aisle, or whether we are out too late at, a, at, the, at the club and, and we know we've broken curfew and we hear the gunfire go off as people did early this morning. The world will always try to put us down. And God is repeatedly tearing apart that temple curtain, saying, but no, my dear kids, no, my dear children, my beloved ones, you are free. By God's mercy and grace and love, there is healing, there is light, there is freedom, there is joy in this world through God. Hebrews doesn't necessarily say all that, but it does say that there is something greater than the temple here. And that which is greater than the temple is Jesus. Jesus is here and sets us free that we might be the people that we know we are called to be as we are, who we are in this very moment and in the rest of our moments yet on this earth. Whatever the world says about us, however it is the world tries to put us down or even to kill us, we live with Jesus within us, above us, below us, in front of us, behind us, beside us, and in every breath we breathe. Because it is God's desire to be with us. It is God's desire that that temple curtain be torn asunder that can never be repaired because God is a loving and forgiving and merciful God who can handle our biggest mistakes and our most scary emotions and our biggest emotions that rage beyond our own bodies. Because God is here. Jesus is here. Something greater than the temple is here now and with you always. Amen.